0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I think we really got something in. What do we got? An idea. What idea? An idea for the show. I still don't know what the idea is. It's about nothing. Right. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. The Nightcap. They say, what's your show about? I say nothing. There you go. I think you may have something
1: here on WGR Sports Radio
2: 550. Hour
3: number two the nightcap: Jody Biassi and John Simon. You watch? Ch- you watch soccer at all?
4: You know, I didn't. But for a few years in college, I had a few good friends that were big soccer fans, so they got okay. me into it, but now I I find oh, really. myself not paying attention as much. You
3: know of the Champions League, though, right?
4: The, the Champions League is one of the few soccer things that I actually will go out of my way to watch.
3: Okay. So, it's on TNT. I don't know if you noticed, but it's on TNT this year.
4: Yeah, what's up with that? It's, no more Fox?
3: Nope. Fox, like... Okay, so here's my problem with the whole, uh, that whole thing. Fox... There's a bunch of channels. They could have a game on Fox. They could have a game on FS1. They could have a game on FS2. There's three games you could have on at once in TV if you could find FS2, which it took me a while, but it, it got to it. Now TNT's got the Champions League, and all these games are going on, and TNT has only got one channel because they don't put it on TBS, or so they don't put it on the other Turner channel. So you get one game. You could stream it on Bleacher Report, I think, but, like, on TV, you get the one game on TNT. That was my first problem with it. That's not why I bring it up, though. So, I got the game from earlier on in there. Juventus and Atletico Madrid. Great game. And, you know, if I have something on ESPN or something on the TV in there, I'm not always paying attention to what's on the TV. I'm on the board. So, I'll glance up at it once in a while. Usually, it's the ESPN midday lineup. So, when I turn it on... At three, it's one of the NBA shows, and then I'll look back up in an hour and I'll look there's uh there's Dan Levitard, and then I'll look another half hour and Tony Kornheiser is yelling at like a over some over like a golfer or something. And when Champions League's on, it's TNT. So I got the Champions League game on in there. And I forget the TNT's on my TV. because 'cause I'm doing other stuff. I look back up. Could be whatever, half hour, hour later. And there's always like a weird, not not even weird. There's always like a a movie, a TNT movie on that. It's like one of those network movies. You know what I'm talking about? Like the movies that are always on, like cable television.
4: Yeah, there's there's definitely that set of movies that you'll find on TV, whether yeah. it's during holidays or just random nights. But yeah, those channels always run their uh, their usual stuff.
3: So so today, the movie Shooter is on. Mark Wahlberg. Uh, Danny Glover, there's other actors in it that are noteworthy, but I can't remember off the top of my head, and I'm thinking, is Shooter the most common cable TV movie out it's, there? It's a very
4: Turner movie.
3: It is on all the time. Like, those those movie channels, like FX, um, not quite AMC, it's not quite to that level, but it's, it's FX, FXX. TNT, TBS, like, you'll find you'll find it on one of those channels, almost always. I think it's the most common, like, cable movie. There are a couple others that I thought of. Let me know what you think of these. Armageddon. Bruce Willis, that space movie. They're like miners and they go into space for some reason. That one is always on cable TV. And the other one I thought of was SWAT. With uh, Samuel Jackson, Michelle Rodriguez, that one is that might be the king. That one has been on cable TV a thousand times, million times.
4: There's a movie, and it's not one of the more popular ones, but the only time that I've seen this movie, and I've watched it a dozen times now, the only time I ever watch it is when it's on cable TV, and that just shows you how much it's on, and it's that new A-Team movie from like 2010. Yeah. That is always on. Yes,
3: that's the, that might be the right answer for this. Uh, Liam Neeson, right?
4: Yeah, Neeson, Bradley Cooper, uh, I don't know the actors' names of the two other guys, like Murdoch. and well, yeah, uh, I don't know
3: them either. Mr. Not Mr. T, but... But
4: uh, Mr. T was the guy. He It's Mr. T.
3: Well, then the new one it wasn't.
4: Well, like, no, right. not the new one, but basically yeah, the character's just about. Mr. T. That's right.
3: All right. We got some good nominees there. There's more of a... I'm going to come back to this in a future future show. Like the top cable TV movies. But spent a lot of time on the Sabres in Hour number 1, and I want to keep doing that. I mean, there's nothing really going on with the Bills right now. Um, we'll get into draft stuff, I'm sure, fairly soon. And, man, the state of the team, it's it's got you in a down place. It does. I'm thinking about Housley and, you know, Mike Harrington today, the way he posed at the Everyone, everyone wants the coach fired. They want the coach fired? Or fans want the coach fired? They want the coach fired? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of people, I think, that definitely want Housley fired. I also think there's a... Big group of people that don't. That want to see that work. That want to see that through. I think there's just as many people putting the blame on the group of players. I think. At least it feels that way to me. And I don't really think firing how's I don't think that's really realistic right now. It's only year two. And I think in part his security, his job security is tied to Jason Bottrell's job security. Somebody tweeted earlier today, I think it was Chris O'Strander, two in the box, or maybe he retweeted somebody, that, so today, Bottrell says, Phil Housley's job is safe, right? And there's these old screenshots of old tweets that come up. I got it right in front of me right now. November 2nd, 2013. Here's a tweet. Darcy Regeer just said Ron Rolson's job is safe. Ten days later, another tweet. Sabres have fired Darcy Regeer and Ron Rolson. Fast forward, April 10th, 2017, tweet. Indication remains Dan Bilesma's job is safe as Sabres coach. Again, 10 days later, official tweet from the Sabres. General Manager Tim Murray and Head Coach Dan Bilesma have been relieved of their duties. Twice, we had GM saying the coach is safe, and 10 days later, the GM and the coach were gone. And this is a... it's it's funny to kind of bring up that comparison, but it's a different situation. Because there is no way, no way, that Jason Bottrell is getting fired. Just no chance. Zero. And that is where the difference comes. Bilesman went out with Murray. Rolston went out with Darcy. I almost forgot his name. It's been how many GMs in between. And to me, Housley is going to get at least the start of next year barring a a collapse of epic, epic proportions. It's so funny the way I grew up as a Sabre fan. I knew one coach and GM for like the first decade of my fandom watching this team was born in 95, so my first memories of the team are like the early, early 2000s. That's already rough and that's rough in but for a couple years already. And they were there forever. Like, I didn't know a different coach. I didn't know a different GM. And amazingly, amazingly, they're still the standard. They're still the score to beat. They had bad seasons, but they had great seasons. We haven't had that at all. We haven't had anything close to that since. I mean, think about really, and I know you want to do better, but think back to like Ruff as a coach. The guy was adaptable. Ninety nine. His best player was his goalie. So how does how the teams didn't they they won two to one all the time? They got to the cup final on the back of the best player in hockey, which was Dominic Hachnick. 2005, 2006, 2007. They have all of this offensive firepower. They opened things up. I think they set the team record in goals for a season, or if not, they were close. They were the highest scoring team in the league that year. Fast, skilled, scoring on every line. Then, fast forward a couple more years, 2010, this is still all under rough, 2010, once again, the best player in the team is the goaltender. So what'd they do? They played defensive hockey, they locked things up, and they rode a Vesna season from Ryan Miller to a division title. Playing that way. And we are still, still searching for the coach that can maximize what his team gives him. And I'm not saying Housley can't do that. I'm not even saying Housley isn't doing that. Maybe he is maximizing what this group can give right now. I think there's a good argument for that. We mentioned it last hour. He's The caller brought it up. Uh, Mike, I think. I don't remember his name. Maybe it's Mike. That their star players are actually producing this year. Eichel career year, Reinhardt career year, Skinner career year. And you've got half your roster... More than half. You have more than half your roster can't score a goal on their own. Even the guys that are supposed to be chipping in once in a while. Connor Sherry. Kyle Ikposo. Um, Who else is even supposed I to I mean, score
4: Vladimir Saboka is supposed to do something.
3: Yeah, I don't, he's not supposed to score, I don't think. He's supposed to score some. But even those guys, Sherry Okposo, for instance. Those aren't guys that really create on their own. They're not guys you really want carrying the puck all the time. You've got even Reinhardt to an extent. It's been better this year, for sure. Don't get me wrong. Him carrying the puck, him kind of creating. This has been the best year of his career for that. Because my biggest criticism with him beforehand was that he was kind of a product of Jack Eichel, and that his game was very limited to just being productive around the net, incapable of scoring goals from outside the faceoff circle, incapable of carrying the puck in from the neutral zone by himself. And... Part of that's changed this year. He's still not really scoring goals from like long distances. Like You couldn't put Reinhardt, I think, on the wing on a power play and expect him to be one-timing the puck in all the time. But that's fine. Not his game, and he's improved in other areas. He's still not great at it. He's still not great at generating on his own. He's part, partly reliant on having a great centerman. And... I think Skinner and Eichel are the two. Like, they'll produce no matter who they're with. Skinner was playing in Carolina for almost a decade with no real number one centerman for his entire career, and he was a consistent 30-goal scorer. And Eichel has been playing with Benoit Pouliot and Zemeskiergen since and putting up 60, 70 points. So, you got those two, and you got Dalin And Risto Lion in the times. I'll give him credit for that. It's part of the reason I don't want to trade him. That guy can score at any moment. He can create on his own. Who scored maybe the goal of the year this year? I think it's Risto against the Sharks. He goes coast to coast. He goes between the legs around Brent Burns, who won a Norris like two years ago. And then he goes around Martin Jones, a pretty good goalie, and he scores. How many players on this team are capable of scoring that goal? I think it's four.
4: I think it's three. That goal? Yep. I think wait, it's wait, wait, him, Eichel, and Darlene are the only three guys that could do that, and Darlene might be a stretch. Could? I think Skinner could. I don't think Skinner's fast enough.
3: Skinner's a great skater. He's
4: That's f- true. He he he'd be able to shift his way through yeah, there, but may- I don't think he could physically.
3: How about this? I'll, I'll come. I'll meet you almost halfway here. I think maybe you have a point. So I'll say this. How about I think Skinner could score that goal, but he would probably score it in a different way than the other three would. Correct.
4: Yes, yeah. you're right about that. He
3: would use his body, he would use his edges because he's so strong on them. Like and
4: his overtime goal against San Jose in that same right. game. It was you show the way that he was able to move and adjust right. with the puck and get around defense and still get a solid shutoff while not having complete balance was just shows right. how impressive of a skater he is.
3: Right. And I don't need all my players like having the I don't need all my players to be able to go coast to coast. That's not realistic. But, I mean, I'm watching teams like Tampa. And they got like 10 guys I feel like they can do that. Stamkos can do it. Braden Point can do it. Kucherov can definitely do it. Tyler Johnson. Andre Pallott. Alex Kalorn, Hedman, the defenseman. Sergachev. I'd probably be missing guys. They've got a million guys that can create on their own. And I just don't have enough of that. So, to me, I just need to add to what I have. That's why I don't necessarily need anyone to pay for what's happening right now. I think we just got to kind of stomach it. It's going to suck because we put up with so much. But I think what their plan is, we don't want them to blow it up again. So we got to ride it out. And to ride out their plan means that we probably have to stomach the rest of the season and being very frustrated because they were 95% to make the playoffs at one point, and now they're like five. That may be lower. That may be four in some places. I think we just got to wait for them to add to this, and you just hope Botchrell is the guy that can do it. Like, the the hard part should be done with this team long-term. I'm kind of switching from short-term to long-term here now. The long-term outlook and the hard part should be done. Your number one center. Write it, in, write it in ink. You have that. Jack Eichel. Your number one franchise defenseman. Write it in ink. Rasmus Dahlin. Those are the two hardest things to find. By a mile. Because we've seen teams that had the rest of it. What were the Sabres after Breer and Drury? They were that. They were a team that had the rest of it. They didn't have the number one centerman. They didn't have the number one defenseman. They had everything else. And what were they? They were a bubble team every single year. Unless your goalie was a Vezina winner. They were a bubble team. Now, we don't have the rest of the stuff. But that should be easier to find. So now, like, we just gotta wait, I guess, and hope that you've got the GM that can find the rest of the stuff. But that's why I'm still, like, it's hard for me long-term to not be optimistic about them. Because that remains a fact. Their hardest things to find are done. Darlene and Eichel. There are very few teams in the league where you'd rather start with their best two players. How many, how many teams is that? Let's think optimistically here. Because we've been in a rough, rough shape the past few weeks or months. Like, this team has got everybody frustrated. This team's got everybody mad. And step back for a second and think about that question that I just posed. What team in the league would you rather... Who in the league has two better players to start a franchise with than Eichel and Darlene? Now, I'd start to mention probably Toronto would be the first team I'd get to because you've got Tavares and Matthews, Uh, but even Tavares is a little older, so maybe I wouldn't even want to do that. They don't have that franchise defenseman. Morgan Riley's close. Yeah, he's getting
4: there. He's getting there. I might
3: even want to maybe qualify him as that, but I'll take Darlene over Morgan Riley. Um, Edmonton's got McDavid, but Drysdale is great, but... Is he a franchise player? Nah, close, but no, no cigar. Like whereas I know Dalene and Eichel are Tampa, Kucherov, Victor
4: Stamkos Hedman. and Hedman.
3: Would you pick Stamkos or Hedman for this?
4: I would. I would probably pick Stamkos and Hedman as the two, or Kucherov and okay. Hedman.
3: I don't mind that. See, the both of those guys are a little older though, so like that's where I can start to argue. I'd rather have Eichel and Dalene because I get. I get 15 years of Darlene, and I get another decade-plus of Eichel. How much more Stamkos-Hedman do I have? A lot, but, you know, eight, seven or eight more years of right. great hockey. And I think that's that's got to be something that you got to I- try to keep in the back of your mind. that they have. If they don't have the best duo to start a franchise with, they're right up there.
4: I'd have to think that the team that's closest, the one that I thought of just now— As far as age of the two players in position, the closest would probably be Boston with, I'd say, Pasternak and McAvoy. And I would take Eichel and Darlene way before those two.
3: I would too. That's a good one, though. Um, But yeah, I would definitely take Eichel and Darlene. Can't really think of another great example to compare them to. Because you're looking... Remember, start a franchise with, was the question. So you're looking for guys that are ideally 25 and younger. I love Nathan McKinnon, but I don't know if there's another Avalanche player I'd pick. I mean, Ronton had an insane year. I was
4: about to give those two yeah. you know an idea, but he's also cooled off since the beginning right. of the season. And he
3: also was never supposed to be like an elite talent. Like he was supposed to be a he was a top ten pick, I think, or maybe he was just outside the top ten. Rontonin, yeah, I think he was
4: pick. up there. He might have been ten.
3: So like again, like I'm getting close there, but you've got you've got two players on your team that are 22 and younger that were both generational talents coming in and pretty much proven that they're generational talents. So that's why it's hard for me to, to stay pessimistic despite how terrible this last month and a half has been. I mean, just brutal. They have 11 wins since the 10-game win streak. I mean, give me a break.
4: Oh, To lighten your mood a little bit, I was just thinking about your Zach Rowenski tweet yesterday <laughs> Is there a Columbus board? Yeah. Like would you say Worensky and a Panarin would be a, a pair that you would want to start a franchise with? It would. I wouldn't pick them
3: over Eichel and Dalin, but they'd be they'd be up there. Um holds Panarin. Panarin's a little older.
4: He's, I believe, twenty seven. Yeah, because
3: Panarin didn't get to the league until he was like twenty five. Right. Undrafted free agent, by the way. Yeah, he's twenty seven. Um yeah, again, like that's a great that's a great duo. I love Zach Werensky. I Kind of proved that on Twitter the other night, but I would pick Darlene and Michael ahead of them. You has got to find the rest of the stuff. That shouldn't be that hard. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Like they've got the, they've got the front of the train. They just need some stuff behind it. Probably could have come up with a better analogy than that. It's the best I got for you right now, though. 8030550 is the phone number. By the way, text line wants to remind us Rampage Jackson played Mr. T in uh the A Team. Uh, I did see the, that. The MMA fighter. I completely forgot about that. That's right. Rampage Jackson was Mr. T in that new A Team movie. You're pretty right. Good. That that one is always on TV. That movie. I love it. It's pretty good. I never saw the first one. I've show. never seen show.
4: anything, any episode, movie of the A-Team other than that movie.
3: Do you think uh, the, like, would your dad be mad that our only our only interaction with the A-Team is that movie?
4: I don't think he's an A-Team guy. I've no, never okay. heard him mention them once to me. Okay.
3: I'm sure there would be people that are like, oh, you idiot kids.
4: Oh, they're so angry about it right now. For sure.
3: There's people stewing over that right now. Um, 8030550 is the phone number, as I mentioned. Kevin and Amherst, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hi, how you doing? Good, how are you?
2: Good. So I, I want to make multiple points here, so I'll move quickly here, and then I'll hang up and I'll listen to you. Um, the first point I want to make is, uh, in terms of rest, Mr. Solaine, you said you think his upside um, kind of uh, over overtakes or um, for his, the things that he does wrong. And I disagree because the things that you're talking about, he doesn't do often enough. The play that he made against San Jose um, – you don't see it from him often enough, and he's what he, What he, my thing with him is is that he has all the physical talent and tools in the world. He's not a smart player, and I think that's a, a problem that we have with our defense and with our team right now. That we're not a smart team, and we're soft. And you combine those two things together, and it, it, it's it's a problem. Soft play and just being dumb. Our defense, in particular. Um, our three top players defensively are who are supposed to be Rasmus, Ristolainen, and Skandela, and Bogosian are just make a lot of mistakes for guys that have been in the league as they have, and yeah, man. just make too many mistakes. I mean, I think you got to change some of those players out.
3: I I, I I agree with you. You make a good counterpoint here for sure.
2: And, and one and one final point. Sure. Mention that we trade O'Reilly just for the state of trading O'Reilly. Or trading O'Reilly. That's not why. Ryan O'Reilly was traded because he had a problem with Jack Eichel. And there were...
3: Nobody knows that he had a problem with Jack Eichel. Nobody knows that. Well, it's just assumed because he was traded.
2: Wait, wait. Paul Hamilton is a beat reporter for the Buffalo Sabres, and he reported it on your website and wrote a story about it. So, is he wrong?
3: I don't remember that happening.
2: Okay, well, go back and check, because he did.
3: I will. I don't remember that happening, man. Um, I'm not saying that they had a perfect relationship, but... I think they traded O'Reilly because he made comments at the end of the season in part. I didn't even think I had to do that and you did, even if he had even if he had a problem with Michael I might not be remembering this Paul report. even if that's true, you could have put him in his place and had him just produce. I keep coming back to an example from the Sharks a couple years ago when Joe Thornton anyone remember this Joe Thornton got into it with his general manager. And there was things going on there, and he was being talked about as not a good culture fit, not a good culture guy, and maybe it was time to move on from him in San Jose. And what happened? They stripped the C from him, essentially taking away his role as the leader of the team, which, you know what? That's kind of been what O'Reilly's role was here the past few years. All right, look what they did. They just stripped the C off Thornton. Here, Joe Pavelski, you're the leader of the team now. And Thornton, you know, he's still there being a 50, 60 point player at the least. You could have put O'Reilly in his place by giving Eichel the C. Telling everybody, including him, this is his team, but you're under contract and we need you. You're not not the, the leader of the team, but we need you. So go score 60 points on the second line. They didn't even give that a shot. That was my biggest problem with that trade. And it's not, I haven't chalked it up. I mean, we still got to see what Thompson, that first-round pick, is. It's not looking good. I wanted to make a point on your defenseman thing, because I, I agree with it. You did make a good corner point. Now, the thing I would say is, and I would agree, that between Ristolein and Scandella, and Bogosian, those are three guys that I think are... Mainly in the league because of how great their physical ability is. Line and Bogosian in particular. There isn't anything physically those guys can't do. Big shots, great skaters, really physical. But they make tons and tons and tons of questionable decisions and turnovers. I mean, it feels like half the rookie mistakes on the team come from those veteran defensemen. And I'll include Scandell on that too. So I don't disagree that they need to change that out. Like that to me would be, that to me would be, priority number one in the off season. Get smarter on your blue line and ch- and change out a portion of that. But Ristolainen's the best of those three, so if I can get away with changing that, and not have to give him up, that's what's ideal. And I know the other two don't really have any value, but that's a job. Go find another pilot. Or two. Do it that way. Sign a guy. I can handle one guy like that. I can handle at least one guy on my blue line who will frustrate you because he has so much gifted ability, but he does a lot of stuff that you just scratch your head at and makes you pull your hair out. I think I can stomach Ristolainen if I don't have to deal with Bogosian and Scandella. And that's when I think a blue line really starts to come together. Eight zero three zero five fifty is the phone number. Take a time out here. We'll get to Luke Fox after this. Go in-depth in the trade deadline, not just on the Sabres, but other teams around the league as well. He was on the show with the Bulldog earlier. Good chat he had. We'll play that back after this on WGR.
5: Both his group and I have obviously continued our dialogue. We haven't done play-by-play in the media just because that's the way we wanted to go about things. Both sides continue to work to try to find a resolution.
3: Sabres GM Jason Bottrill referencing Jeff Skinner and contract negotiations there. That'll be interesting to watch. Not with the trade deadline, I'd be, we'd be all be stunned, flabbergasted. And there's not a there's not a word in the vocabulary I think, that would uh, or in the dictionary that would make sense for how surprised we'd be. Um, so there's that. Speaking of Skinner, Luke Fox of Sportsnet he had him ranked as one of his top five upcoming UFAs in the NHL, and that includes the likes of Duchesne, uh, Stone, Eric Carlson. Don't forget, he's going to be a UFA. He hasn't signed an extension with San Jose. Uh, he talks about Skinner, the trade deadline in Ottawa, everything going on in the NHL trade deadline right now. Luke Fox of Sportsnet with Chopin the Bulldog right here.
0: Talk a little trade deadline and some big things coming up in the NHL. Hi, Luke. Mike and Chris here. Thanks for your time.
1: Hi, Mike. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me on.
0: All right. We saw your article with the top ten unrestricted free agents there are lots of uh, potential trade deadline ramifications just in general luke how big a day will monday be we're just having a conversation with a colleague where he brought up these days are sometimes letdowns do you see this being like that or no
1: well it all depends if uh, some of the big chips fall before we get to monday which uh, you know i work for sports that and that's their their biggest worry is because they have uh, about uh, 84 hours of coverage planned Monday, and they're on all, all day, so they hope the GMs wait until Monday for some of the big deals. But it seems like everyone's waiting on Ottawa in particular, with uh, Matt Duchesne and Mark Stone, two uh, forwards that would instantly improve a, a contender. Um, and guys whose uh, future in Ottawa is really uncertain as they're headed for unrestricted free agency on July one. Um, so if those guys move soon, then we could see a bunch of uh, other moves to follow. If those guys wait uh, until the last day or the last 48 hours, then Monday could be a really big day because there's a feeling that a lot of the te- whatever teams don't get in on those forwards will then start to look at um, guys like perhaps Wayne Simmons or the-, or the second tier forwards that are available. So those guys kind of, um, Ottawa and Pierre Dorian there kind of holds the, uh, the key to-, to when the Dominoes start to fall.
5: And the latest that I know of, and there could be more that i missed today so far, Luke, but that Duchesne is not going to play moving forward for Ottawa, and they maybe haven't made that decision on Stone or Zingle, who's not to the level of those other two guys, um, but that Duchesne is, and, and I would take that as a sign that they're almost definitely going to move him.
1: Yeah, that's the word, is that Duchesne's is the one that's going to be moved out, and they're still trying to uh out a long-term deal with uh, with. Stone um, And what I've heard about, regarding Stone is that one of the stumbling blocks is that, is that um, it's the signing bonuses. He wants a lot of his money up front, um, mm-hmm. you know, much like Don Tavares got when he signed as a free agent in Toronto. So much of it is front-loaded in those signing bonuses, and that's what he wants um, in terms of his next deal. And that, that poses a problem for a small market team like Ottawa. And owner Eugene Melnick, who doesn't have a ton kind of cash flow. And so that's kind of seems to be the stumbling block right there. Now, we don't know how, how hard of a line Stone is drawing on that. If he ultimately wants to just stay in Ottawa where he's been relatively happy or if this is, um, you know, a hill to die on, so to speak. And that if he doesn't get, um, a nice, juicy contract with, um, that signing bonus up front, that he'll be willing to move on because they can't, they can't afford to let these guys walk for free. Um, I did see a tweet just recently saying that Guy Boucher um, said he hasn't been told that he has to sit Boucher, but it just makes sense to sit sit this guy because all signs point to him being traded. And there's a bunch of teams that are interested, namely the Predators, who were kind of interested at the the same time. Um, He was first traded from Colorado. The Columbus Blue Jackets are another one who are looking for center depth and would love to add him. Um, And then there's other teams like perhaps Boston or Winnipeg that are looking for forwards and could be interested. So he's the kind of guy who's having a career year and could really drive a, a nice little bidding war for Ottawa um, over the next uh, few days here.
5: And I imagine we're talking about the usual group of assets here. First-round pick, uh, proven young player, uh, up-and-coming young player too, like that, that sort of package for, I would say, both of those guys do Shane and Stone, right?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I would think three pieces, maybe four, um, starting with that first-round pick. I mean, that's Dorian has his eyes on, on getting a first-rounder back because, uh, as, as everyone knows, he he gave that away uh, to, to get through Shane in the first place, and it and it's it's cost him dearly, um, especially the fact that Ottawa is targeting to have the the highest odds of winning the draft lottery in a, a potential franchise player in, in, in young Jack Hughes, um, the American. So, uh, yes, yeah, absolutely ought to want the first-round pick um, to kind of recoup some of the losses they they, they gave up to get, to get the guy in the first place.
5: Man, they're in a really interesting spot. You know, there are some nice young players there. Shabbat sort of took I don't know if he took the whole league by surprise. He definitely took me by surprise. Um you know, Brady Kachuk looks pretty nice. Colin White's pretty nice. If they could hang on to Duchesne and Stone, it's not like they have to be like in into a three year thing here, but um yet those players kinda have them over a barrel. It's a really, really tough spot, especially when you factor in what you just mentioned, the price they paid to acquire Duchesne in the first place could end up being Jack Hughes and oh my God.
1: All, yeah, I mean that's just that's this nightmare right for every every Senators fan is fearing right now but i agree with you i, I think their prospect pool and their, and their group of young rookies is fantastic um you know I, thomas Shabbat is an absolute treat to watch like his uh, flair for offense and joining the rush and the way he can command a power play at, at such a young age is phenomenal um i don't think I think, he, I mean, he was a highly prized prospect when he came into the league, but I don't think people uh, expected him to kind of take over driving the offense from the back end the way he has, um, especially in light of Eric Carlson moving on to, to San Jose. So He's a really nice story. And Brady Kachuk coming in um, and, and doing everything, you know, uh, fighting, creating plays, uh, sticking up for his teammates. Uh, De Boucher, the coach there, says he's a constant professional, and this is only a kid. So the future is actually bright there, and the long-term plan, uh, Mel, like you said, is to spend a little bit more two or three years down the road when you would think Shabbat and Kachuk and Colin White and these guys are coming into their own. So I, I do think they need to keep, you know, one of the veterans around. Um, doesn't look like it's gonna be Duchesne, but, uh, Stone is an absolute phenomenal guy to keep around. I know that Kachuk actually lives with Stone. He's his landlord as well, and he's kind of like this, this quiet leader type um so it, it's good just to keep one of these guys around for the young guys as, as an example but also to let the fans know that every time a guy comes up to unrestricted free agency they're not just going to leave they have they need to keep some of these guys
0: speaking of that how about jeff skinner here i know what you wrote you think it maybe goes to the off season, right yeah
1: i do um it, it's a really interesting case and it's gotten more interesting in light of um the Sabers' slide of late. Mm-hmm. i think they've lost what is it, three in a row, maybe only one. about three of their last ten. Uh, if they were in the playoff mix, it's kind of an easier call. Uh, now that they've kind of slid to the bubble and it's going to be, they're going to have to kind of scratch and claw it to get one of those wild card spots. Um, it's an interesting choice for Botterell, but I think he's been such a great fit with Jack Eichel. And I got to talk to both uh, Skinner and Eichel uh, in San Jose over the All-Star Weekend. And, uh, you know, it was just really genuine how much they enjoy playing with each other. And Skinner, you know, said that he loves the city. And I think is going to try and roll the dice here. I mean, he's not saying much publicly, but that's my gut feeling, is that he's going to roll the dice and not force Skinner to make a decision by Monday on an, an extension, but hope that, you know, he can sell Skinner on, A, this is a great hockey town that you're in. I'm playing you with one of the best probably the best sentiment you've ever been played with, uh, who's, gonna, who's, you know, a little bit younger than you and you guys are going to flourish together and, and we're going to add some more pieces in the summer, hopefully, um, when, when a guy like, say, Palmanville comes off the books and, and frees up a little bit more money to add to this team that's now trending in the right direction. Uh, so so we'll see. Because um, I'm sure right now Skinner's ask on an extension is quite high, just based on the numbers he he put up. Um, and I think, uh, I mean, you, you would know better than me, but I think trading him at this point would just really um, kind of dishearten the fan base there who've seen so many positive signs over the first few months of this season.
0: I think we both think you're right about that. No question. Yeah. Yeah. Luke, Luke uh, how about Columbus? So would you? what kind of odds would you put on those guys being moved, maybe even together?
1: I, I, I see Bobrovsky as, as, uh, as staying there until... Uh, the summer. I think it's too tricky of a move to pull off because the teams that would be interested in obtaining, uh, a goalie on a rental basis usually are pretty good anyway. And, and usually they're pretty good because they have a number one goaltender. So I think it would be hard to find a fit for him, um, in the next five days here. I think he does move on in the summer. And, and plus if Columbus gets him away, um, you know, Cortesalo hasn't been able to stop many pucks like this. That, that would be waving the white flag and giving up on the playoff race. And I don't think management wants to do that because the, the Metro is kind of jump ball, and I think if Columbus gets in, and they could make some noise. Panarin, I think there's, there's, there's a higher chance that he gets moved um, because I don't see either of them coming back. But uh, another tricky situation where you don't want to, to just let the guy walk for free but at the same point, he's their leading scorer, and uh, this is a team that, that is probably going to make the playoffs. So if you give them away, you have to find something else, which is why I guess they're, they're poking around uh, with Duchesne. So, you know, maybe they, they do two moves if, if, they, if they move Panarin. Um, it's interesting that Panarin switched agents, and now they have the same agent. So maybe on July 1, they do become a package deal. Uh, I know Florida, in particular, is interested in both of them. Dale Talon, you know, has already started clearing cap space and promising fan base that they're going to take a run at some big-name free agents, and those are two of the biggest um, on July 1. But there's other cities um, that are interested in Panarin. You know, I've heard the Kings, the Rangers. Um, So he's going to, you know, pretty much have his pick because he's such a dynamic player.
5: Duchesne and Stone, Panarin, Babrowski, those are the big four. Um, and, you know, we've just sort of gone through that and handicapped it and, and trying to figure out, like, you know, which of those guys, if any or all, will end up being moved on Monday. How about beyond those four guys? Like, who who are the next most interesting names, potentially impactful names to watch uh, heading for Monday, Luke?
1: Well, I think in the second tier, I think you're looking at um, a couple of power forwards in uh, Michael Furlan in Carolina and Wayne Simmons in Philadelphia. Just the, their, their brand of play. Um, They can provide secondary scoring to a team. They can help out with the power play, and they're both the kind of guys that you want come playoff time because they will go in the corners, they will go to the front of the net, um, take a hit, give a hit, um, do all the greasy things that that seem to be of uh, higher value um, once April hits. And um, Philadelphia, there's no way that they're going to be able to afford Wayne Simmons, and I think the writing on the wall with that one was when they signed another left winger um, in James Van Reen's site last July 1 to a big-money contract, another power play guy. and they're, They've already committed too much money to forward, so I think Wayne Simmons uh, is, is going to be a classic rental piece who can help uh, one of the contending teams um, with that secondary scoring. Ferland's a bit of an interesting case. We heard his name a lot uh, about a month ago, but now that Carolina's gone on a bit of a run and they're kind of on the bubble, they might be tempted to keep them just because they have the longest playoff drought in the whole league. Um, I believe it's ten years, or it's about to be ten years. And as we all know, it, that that uh, that market is kind of starved, uh, attendance-wise, and are trying to get as many people in the seats as possible. So even getting into a wild card would be considered a victory in that market. Um, so. And Tom Dundon, their new owner, is a bit of a wild card. So he's another interesting name to watch because I think there would be a healthy market and they could get a nice return if they put him up. But the way the team's playing, they might be tempted to keep him. And, and so those are the types of deals that, that could go down to, to the wires down to Monday.
0: Luke, great information. Thanks a lot for your time again.
1: All right. Thanks for having me. Have a good evening.
3: Luke Fox with Shope and the Bulldog we will come back. Last call on the nightcap is next. We'll wrap things up there. 803-0550 is the phone number. Here on WGR. Last call in the nightcap. Pit Reporters next here on WGR. Getting into it with some people on Twitter. Not really many. Better duo to start a franchise with than Eichel and Daleen. The one that uh, I'm arguing, really, the only one I'm even arguing right now is Matthews Marner, and I think at this point it's hard to argue that Matthews isn't better than Eichel. I think they're close, but I think Matthews is better. Um, I think I don't. I don't see the Leafs as much as the Sabres, so it's hard for me to say. But I, I think he is. Um, Dalene being a franchise defenseman versus Marner being a winger, I think is an enormous difference. So. To me, there's a a bigger difference there than there is between Matthews and Eichel, so I think you'd have to give it to the Sabres there. Um, If you want to do trios, then of course we've probably got to go Leafs because they have John Tavares. But if we're just doing duos, I'm kind of trying to ignore the trio part of it because then I do have to say Leafs. But duos, I think I'm sticking with the Sabres here. Matthews and Marner underneath Eichel and Dalian. All right, thanks, everybody, for listening. I'll be back for a full show on Friday. Sabres are at Tampa Bay tomorrow. It's a 7.30 puck drop, so pregame will start at 6.30. Howard and Jeremy tomorrow at 6, of course, and in the Bulldog at 3, where you might hear me a little bit. Who knows? We'll see what the day brings. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Whole show on demand at WGR550.com. Pay reporters next on WGR.